do you think that there's hope for the American people? Uh, I don't know. I mean, not not why the sort of <laughs> sort of not by the way they're uh, they're going to go they're going about it at the moment. Uh, I, I also laugh as well because I, I, just before we started recording, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, I wonder what." I wonder what Sam's got an offer for me today. Uh, will it be anything timely? You know, will it will it be anything that will date the podcast at all, uh, or will it just be some nonsense like, uh, well, pirates? Uh, <laughs> I think I think last episode this podcast was in danger of becoming a pirate themed podcast. Stri- yeah, strictly nautical. Plop, plop, yeah. Uh, hope for the American plop, people. Plop cast off. Um, plop cast off. <laughs> plop cast away the, pl- the plop is someone who has walked the plank and fallen in the water and it's made the plop um hope for the american people uh if i don't know maybe no maybe not you know it's like maybe it's like the, the fall of the roman empire maybe america's like had its time in the sun and and now they've finally basically put in charge a, a psych a complete psychopath uh and he is essentially running the country into the ground like a business uh but what worries me a little bit is that he's like a psychotic ceo which is what donald trump always was uh and he, he was also a slumlord as well uh originally uh when he was a younger man uh jacking up the prices in new york tenements so that basically black families and the black communities couldn't afford to live in their own places um but now he's now the slum lord but instead of being in charge of some tenements in a in a city in america he's in charge of america um what worries me more is that he he's a psychopath now with nuclear arms so that's kind of the only thing that does worry me uh or but at the same time though i don't really have much hope for the opposition which is like doddery old joe biden who basically looks barely lucid and i mean like for fuck's sake by the time if biden gets in by the time he's finished his present presidency he'll be 81 I, I don't really get this whole thing of like ridiculously ancient old men running for the presidency i don't know i guess if they're qualified it's fine but it always makes more sense to me to have like not someone who is like looking like they're trying to like literally remember their wife's first name uh, be, being stood at a podium, <laughs> making serious decisions about one of the biggest nations in the world. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, I, I like Americans uh, on the whole. I mean, uh, you know, you've known me for a few years now. Oh, yeah, this, is, this, um, isn't, this isn't against them at all. No, exactly. We might end up saying stuff which is like, I say anti-American or rather anti-American policy, because obviously, like, it, it's one of these things where uh the government doesn't by its very nature doesn't represent all of the people all the time but of obviously it's, it's the way in which uh in democracies that they're elected to or at least in principle well, that's but the- also i'm glad that i'm glad that you didn't immediately like ask her, oh what about the election i feel like you had a much um you had a really nice succinct picture of donald trump yeah um, i think and so like, and you, you took you took the question in good faith, and rather than kind of go like, "Oh, please don't maybe comment on the election," and that 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 wasn't the aim of it. It was entirely to just to see how you'd react to that question. So I think I'm, I'm, 
Yeah, uh, I feel, I feel like, like, like I'm like... dancing around on a podium up here, trying my best to like maintain confidence <laughs> and, and, and host a podcast, and you're throwing like javelins at me uh, with with different topics. You, you're trying to pin me down to one thing and make me talk about things I've categorically said I don't want to talk about. But um, I just, I just, I, di I didn't really comment much on the election because. Uh, I've not been following it like mega closely, and also I mean you, do, you don't you don't have to though. No, that you don't. That you me, just, me, me asking wasn't just read about, about like, it afterwards. So, but yeah, no, I thought I'd comment a bit on Trump just because I've I've heard more about him than when he was president. You know, I've been hearing stuff about him from like beforehand. Um, one of my favorites that I'll just bring up, uh, and unfortunately, this is me actually plagiarizing this from uh, another one of my favorite podcasts, which is uh, Tim Heidecker's Office Hours. Uh, God bless them, the Holy Trinity, with uh, Doug and uh, and Vic Berger. But Vic had a story that apparently is true about a uh, a little snapshot of what growing up as Don Jr. I guess it'd be Don Jr. Jr., wouldn't it? Because Donald Trump, the president, is a junior himself, I believe, already. Is he? I I, I don't. I can't remember. I think he's a junior already, and his son's also what is his eldest is also called Don because they call him you know Don Jr. But basically. Apparently, when uh, when Donald Trump's eldest son was at like college, um, his uh, his dad went to like pick him up, and um, like went up to his door and like Don Jr. answered it, and uh, he's basically his dad was gonna like take him to this baseball game, and he opened the door and Don Jr. was wearing uh, a baseball shirt. Uh, you know, uh, like a like a base like a, a Yankees baseball jersey. I mean, as you do. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a jersey, isn't it? It's not like it's weird because they call it baseball shirts, but it looks more like a jumper. Yeah, so it's like swag for the for the game. You know how, like, say, if I'm gonna go see like Electric Six, uh, my favorite band of all time, I'll wear like an Electric Six gig T-shirt. Like, likewise, if you were gonna go to the football match, you will probably wear a football shirt, maybe of your favorite player uh you know the, the very normal thing so don jr's there wearing a baseball thing with his team you know supporting his team uh trump the current united states president donald trump sees this slaps his son across the face and says to him put a fucking suit on don really fucking hell. and that's uh horrendous. apparently that's true so that's what it's like having having donald trump as your father uh, but yeah, the man's a complete like uh, he's a complete psycho. He, he is like uh, he's one of those business people where you tend to find like people who who thrive in business uh, and uh, end up in CEO roles. I believe there is some science to back this up, but it's just me doing a hot take. Uh, but basically, know, uh... they they are usually medically diagnosable psychopaths, just because their personality and the way a psychopath's mind operates lends itself extremely well to like the decisions you perhaps would have to make in business and the way you have to operate as an individual the only element of uh, john ronson's the psychopath test is a book he wrote um i think it was john ronson i think it's it the was psychopath test yeah it is yeah but um thank you that's all right i just oh you're correct just, you're correct i know i could hear I the fear in your voice uh in case yeah like oh, oh, to, oh to be wrong um Hello, sorry. I'll, I'll in case, about, you, in case I, you're only just joining us, welcome to Wrong Cast. Uh, this is the po podcast where two men talk cast and out if you're get wrong. things wrong. Um, 
I've got something else about being wrong, and not as in like being a wronger, as in I've got something about being wrong. I thought it was quite interesting. This again from years ago, but I just thought it was quite an interesting thing that um, I found out at school. But um, what was it on about the the psychopath test? Yeah, I, I've only seen John Ronson's TED talk he did on it, and it's quite interesting because he like uh, he, he he went out to try and find some psychopaths, obviously with that idea that um, what generally uh, could diagnosed as a psychopath in terms of the character traits say obviously not in all cases but like it's sort of it's quite a few big hitters is they again that they're all very good for business and so he tried to go out and find someone and say like um we've heard that you know because you run a business you might be a psychopath and obviously like using that language it doesn't work and so he had to they had to change tacts and kind of talk to a uh talk to a real business mogul but by saying i think we think you've got a special brain uh, that we'd like to like to talk to you about, and obviously that that kind of plays into their favour as well because like it you know inflates their ego as well. Mm. And uh, w- w- watch that TED talk is very interesting. But yeah, again, that's where I first heard the idea of how the tendencies of the one for one of a term like a lack of regard for the next person or willing willingness to kind of put yourself consistently ahead of everyone else, not just in like a Oh, you know, at work, or, you know, I've got a full quota, but, I, you know, I get back and I have a loving family. It's like, is in like, at all costs, like, everyone is a sucker to be messed with in that kind of mindset. Yeah, and, and if they, it, the other a weird one as well that kind of, like, they used to defend their actions is that those people that they're messing with, if those people were, like, worth a damn, surely they'd stop you from messing with them. So the fact that they're letting themselves be fucked with by you is actually their fault. So that's another way they tend to, uh, you know, that's another way they tend to, like, think about the world. It's almost the same, you know, the whole, like, stupid joke of, like, oh, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. It's like, it's, it's exactly that. It is, kind it? of, yeah. It's like, in a more, it's uh, word even, based. even more simpler, like, you know, I mean, I, I could comment on this as someone who was basically consistently bullied for every year of their school life. Um, the, the whole concept, I think, was like, the, the bully's mindset is like, I'm I'm loving this. Like I'm loving making you miserable. Why why don't you fight back? It's almost like sort of saying like it's your fault that I'm picking on you because if you were actually, you know, if you want me to leave you alone, then just be you know be not you. But then the trouble is like you are you, so I'm going to keep picking on you. But by that logic, it's your fault. It's really strange, but uh, it's funny. As, how- as miserable as that, as miserable as that sounds, like I feel like I can kind of agree not as a bully but as in like um i can no i don't say understand because i don't want to do like the whole joe rogan thing kind of go like "Mm, i see where you're coming from mr bully yeah please don't do that i don't i don't (laughs) want to do that but like um like i can can see that some people would get that kind of that they set up a situation which the victim can't actually escape absolutely yeah yeah Uh, they, they uh... they pepper they pepper it with the idea that you can I think again, like I'm like abusive partners, but we end up doing the same thing. Where it's like they kind of they pepper it with the idea that you can escape, and there's something like a relationship. Um, is that you? There is kind of a motive to change, like as in just you know because you love someone. And I think I, I mean, I'm, unfortunately, I'm somewhat more familiar with um, like uh, relationship troubles in that regard than like bullying per se, which I guess you know, I mean like you know six six of one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. Mm. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to go down that f- fucking road of 
comparing comparing tragedy you know you know without it you know unless it's like a just a, a genuine discussion you know you never wanted to be like playing a game of one-upmanship because again that's not a very nice trait if you end up doing one-upmanship in terms of yeah personal I, I, i've got more trauma than you <laughs> you know it's like yeah, i yeah. see your i see your uh domestic relationship and raise you uh you know something else yeah no i know what you mean i know and that's not that's not the, the default state that people talking obviously i mean it, obviously that, that's just a really facetious scenario um there's something out thinking about um as i said i was talking about the idea of being wrong but also like again you sort of mentioned about school and i can't remember if you talked about this or not we might have talked about pe but how um it might have just even been in the conversation just outside of this that let's say you have like a 25 hour like timetable in like you said five lessons a day an hour each and that kind of thing that's just what yeah. we had at school but you Same. might have something like that um and for the people particularly who were like really good at pe but also like generally berated you for not being good at pe and like kind of really jumped down your throat for not being able to play football mm. and i think my mum said something to me and said well remember that they that is their hour that they are able to do and that for if you know for people who are not so academic like the other 24 hours of the you know of the week is a struggle or rather they end up you know end up playing up or not interested or you know whereas if if you're more academically minded even if you you know like i did you get eventually fed up with like some of the subjects and some of the ways of taught but you can still get your head around them and still attempt it and still have it like your frustration is that because you've kind of you've been able to put energy in continually and just want that to be finished whereas there are plenty and plenty of kids who's just like going to school in an academic sense it's just a complete like bashing your head against a brick wall, which I guess I think like it's still great that we get free education and it, you know it doesn't cost anything to, in a way in that down that avenue could give your kid a better life. But yeah, I think it's it's just something that's, something that's always worth noting is that well, just I you know hold your head up high when you know because you can do well in school. Obviously, that there are people who could who do well at everything. But like it, it, what I generally found is that the people, the people who were good at PE were very willing to berate me for not being able to play football. I mean, maybe maybe I should have berated them for not being intelligent. But I think that I think that'd be extremely patronising. Do you know what I mean? That, that that would be its own form of bullying. Well, you could try, but I mean, I mean, I could have tried because I had the same thing. But I mean, I'd probably just get the shit beaten out of me. But it was even harder at my school because most of the PE staff at my school were like complete cunts. And they would like join in in berating you, like with the kids. It was pretty dark. But also, like, but uh, also because yeah. they, they could. Oh, sorry, carry on. I, don't I was just good. No, all I was gonna say was like, yeah. So like, it was really, really grim at my school because like the PE staff were like, they wouldn't teach you how to do anything, and then they'd berate you for not being good at it. So for example, if the lesson was, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm using the sort of the bunny ears, fingers in the air, quotation marks here, the lesson. As it as it were, um, would if it was cricket, it would literally be go to the storage shed, get the cricket stuff out, and play cricket. Um, and usually they'd let the kids pick their own teams. And obviously, when that happens, you know you just have like a group of kids who are just on their own with no one to play with because everyone, you know you, you just wouldn't get picked. Again, it, it was like if it was football, it'd be like oh, uh, here's some footballs, play a game. 
So it was really like, but what was horrible as well was my school was like a, a school that also like took sport really, really seriously. Um, so like, you know, it, it had like, it was, it was really into like, it's the school rugby team, you know, was like the, you know, the most important thing. Um, but yeah, it was really, really shit basically. Uh, so I like, that's one of the reasons I always maintain that like, I don't have a good grasp on like, say certain sports, um, like tennis was another one that I, to be fair, I think I got better understanding tennis just because it's fairly straightforward. But again, tennis was another thing. It was like, here's the rackets, here's the tennis courts, play tennis. And then it'd be like, well, look, what am I doing? Like, you know, how does scoring work? You know, what are the rules? And then if you like even asked that or showed you didn't know, the teacher would just laugh at you and make fun of it and would be like, sort of, you know, I've had situations where the, the teacher would be like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, Jonesy, buzzer, come over here. Oh, you know, hey, Tom. Tom doesn't even know what what game he's playing, and it'd be like so weird because it's like, you you you're a fucking adult. Like, why why are you picking on kids? Like, but but, you, but is it your a teacher as well? But I think there's clearly like, even even if you went into it with an extremely academic sense, I think it was something that also uh, really infuriated me. I think it also kind of annoyed my mum a lot because like she worked at the same school as an English teacher that I. So the same school that I went to, she worked as an English teacher as well. And she obviously she could point out all the kind of behind the scenes stuff. But again, some of the behind the scenes stuff was quite obvious anyway, so not so behind the scenes. Yeah. It tends, there was a, it there tends was a weird... to be at a school, doesn't it? You know, what you, it's one of them where you, you like you see little situations or little sort of dramas play out with teachers and then like you'll go and think about it and then like maybe a, a while later you'll go, you'll hear something went down and you'll kind of go, Oh yeah, all the sort of all the signs were there. I not I don't mean less in a sort of like a seedy sense, like sort of relationships going on, but even things like, I mean, the, the thing about at our old school, like we had the, the PE teachers were pretty perfectly pleasant people. Um, I think that like some PE teachers like had their favours and certainly were had they took no prisoners, like more more in line with what you said, or rather just like not necessarily making fun of people, but just had no time for the um the new ones. But because they generally had more time, they didn't have marking per se, and they didn't like necessarily have to do a great deal of like on paper planning they often found themselves paid more because they could hold senior management heads of year assistant heads of year positions and still be a um, PE teacher and and still be a PE teacher so actually you got you ended up despite them having the less you know i mean obviously like being that's the thing being physically fit or like at least being into sports is is on the on the whole a good thing it's just a shame that it's the mantle bearers of sport when you're a kid are complete cunts, and that, and that's 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 sad, really. I mean, it I is. had to get, I had I had to find sports as an adult that I didn't have any memory of PE to do. Like Same so, with me. bouldering, bouldering, I did as an adult because my lab I was working in doing my masters. Well, say it was a lab. It was what's called a dry lab. Um, I I, I don't know how much I like the term dry and wet lab because um, oh, i like the term wet lab well wet lab meaning like you're working with like actual chemicals dry lab more like a computer lab but um it also you get the implication of having dry and wet students which I don't really find comfortable but um particularly particularly if a professor was to ever say like you know dry or wet student ugh. but um mm. but this this lab i was <laughs> but this lab i was working in um the thing that they did together rather than like have the yearly barbecue or like the like the 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 ever so often pub outing we did go to the pub but like that was always after their preferred activity which is bouldering 
and like you so it's like it's like rock climbing but you don't have a harness on the walls are so high like like um i don't know maybe about 10 to 15 feet high at most and like you just again there's different routes with different holes like uh, with different grips and so like and they're different colors denoting the difficulty and so what i like about it is um not only do i have no memory of it from pe so i don't have the like oh but i've uncrapped it and i'm made fun of is actually the fact that it's a puzzle and so actually so more than just like doing something like running which i mean i've, I've had my stints of liking running but then the problem is you can with running you can always kind of go like well i don't i don't have to run here i can just walk or go back or just sit down for a bit whereas with something like bouldering when you're like 10 feet up in the air or 15 feet up in the air you can't suddenly get bored because you know you'll fall 15 feet i mean they're mats but like if you get bored and just gonna go i just don't have to do this then it's like it's to your detriment to give up halfway through or like, or give up at the top because there's still an element of having to come down as well yeah so i, I like that i like that element and also because i did it with adults who were very encouraging and kind of going like well you know you, you've you'll probably do a vital bouldering and like it's very you you get used to it very very easily and then progression's quick and i found i actually found that so that was a nice thing to do and they get and i don't know if i mentioned it on here but my mum and i have started playing table tennis because oh, yeah. we, we were walk because we were walking uh in one of the parks in norwich eaton park i think it, i think it's called eaton park and there's an outside table tennis table and i was saying about oh, how i miss playing table tennis for my first year because our halls had very little but i did have a snooker table a pool table and a tennis table well like a tennis table top that just popped over the pool table and she said oh you know i've been thinking about getting back into it because she played it as a kid and so just to that conversation we ended up getting a set um obviously of course just in time for lockdown we've only been a handful of times but again that's a sport i got into as an adult with other adults even if it was like university it was still like like is there's still a game to it there's a bit more thinking it's it's also so fast as well that you can kind of rattle through games as mm. I, I mean like i wouldn't call pool a sport but again like it's it's a bit more thinking it's still something where like if you're not good at pool it's not like uh like, what the fuck you doing do you know what I mean? It, it's that that isn't the atmosphere with it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, but also, are you, are you saying that you don't think that the two, uh, the, the the two men that go to the pool table with the big sticks aren't, say, the modern equivalent equivalent of gladiators in the ring? Um, I mean, the gladiators is a funny one because um, a lot of the people that went to fight were probably prisoners, so I think there were very few like volunteered gladiators i mean also the fact that like i think it was from what i understand again this is we could, we could be getting this very wrong but from what i understand there was a lot less like it was it was less like jousting and it was more like like just just if you imagine if i said to you blood sport like what you could imagine the kind of um mad max kind of situation well, I think blood, like I think blood sport was like one of steven seagal's uh early films so i just think of steven seagal but, oh, okay. but that kind of but, I mean, links back to the point I was trying to make, which was saying gladiate, you know, snooker and pool players being the equivalent of Monday gladiators. I was making a facetious comment about how it's like it's barely a fucking sport. Um, but I think the one that takes the cake for me, and this is why it links back to Steven Seagal, because um, he's like a big, fat, 65-year-old uh, guy now. Um, I always found a hilarious so-called sport with was like darts. 
um and by and oh, large yeah, like you look at like darts players and it's like they're just these big fat tubs of goo covered in like tats with like fucking stupid hair and like gold rings all over the fingers and it's like and here they are they you know these modern day titans going head to head and then it's like you look at it and it's like what the fuck is going on but, have you um, seen um not the nine o'clock news did quite a good sketch about like darts players and so like they do like the commentary and i think like griff Reese jones and what was his mel smith um are sort of lining up and they're sort of aiming well, it looks like sort of invisible darts, but just they're just getting their hands ready. And what they do is they, um, rather than throwing darts at the board, um, they literally like get the hands ready, then quickly throw their hands down onto like a dartboard table and then just pick up whatever drinks nearest. And so like <laughs> the, right. the, the score's like, he's going for double vodka. And with exact precision, another double vodka. And so it's nice. all like, it's just how quickly you can pick up drinks off the table. So that's quite a good sketch. I think that's that for me, like that idea of darts is just like, for me, that's epitomized in that. I, I also, darts uh, speaking of like sports theme sketches, uh, one of my favorites is, I believe it's Big Train. And it's the uh, the staring contest. Have you seen that? Oh, is that the one drawn as a cartoon? Yeah, it's drawn as a cartoon. That yeah, one, yeah. for some reason, I, like just, I well. literally piss myself every time I see that one. I think that's a brilliant one. Uh, I think that's the beauty of the, the beauty of cartoons, meaning that you can do anything. Um, you can kind of do anything. You can transport, and you can kind of you can get away with like if you saw like so like NAF Doctor Who from the seventies, like setups. You kind of you take a lot more effort to suspend your disbelief, but with a cartoon, you can make it so organic that they are just somewhere else. It is funny, isn't it? It makes you wonder, like, because I don't know that many sketch shows that have cartoon segments. Um, I mean, well, Monty Python's Flying true. Circus, very yeah. famously, Terry, did, but Terry I mean, that's Gilliam's more... amazing, yeah. uh, fucking amazing uh, cartoons. Yeah, but I mean, like, any other ones? I'm trying to think of actually. I suppose that's stupid comics. I suppose Monty Python's one of the most famous examples, and that had loads of cartoons in it. But, but no, like, you mean like, yeah, that's. But obviously that wasn't the driving force behind it. But yeah, it's kind of... But also there, there isn't really a sketch where there's like that that very much... This is a mixed medium. It's like, yeah, the, the cartoon thing was like Terry Gilliam's thing just because he was part of that group. But there isn't like... And it was like cut out. It was more like cut out photos, wasn't it? Well, some of it was like cut out drawings, wasn't it? And like kind of like crudely animated. Yeah, and it was... I don't know what you'd call that technique. If it should, Maybe it's just his own one. Yeah. The... Uh, Something that I was gonna, I was gonna mention a couple times. Well, not like repeatedly, but uh, there's a few <laughs> times where I thought like, oh, wouldn't this, wouldn't this, wouldn't this dovetail lovely to what we just said? And then, as always, you go on about something else. But to- talking about, because yeah, we were talking about how, like the, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the school timetable might not be so accessible to the, yeah, to those who to the thickies. tell us off. What, I don't, I don't want to say that because I mean like there's. Um, that could encompass a whole range of different backgrounds. I mean, if I specifically say the people at PE that told me, you know, like berated me for not not having to play football, that's quite specific. But one of my old maths teachers, I think he did wrote this up as an actual study, or at least he just looked into it for his own curiosity, about why kids don't put their hands up in something like maths. And like literally studying the notion of like, refusing to participate in case you get it wrong mm. and it's almost like if you're familiar with like pascal's wager which is like you do like a punnet square and it's like like pascal's wager is like belief in god not belief in god um afterlife does exist afterlife doesn't exist 
and obviously like it, it weighs up the options and so you get this sort of game theory where there are there are certain there are better outcomes but so for example in something like maths from what i remember is you get a question and there's like three scenarios which is you answer it you you answer and you get it right you answer it and you get it wrong uh, or you don't answer it at all and it turns out that for a, a lot of students the value of getting it right is significantly outweighed by the embarrassment of getting it wrong and so actually the um in a sort of a game theory sense is that it, i think there was numbers to show that if you're sitting there in a math class and you're thinking well what's what's the best outcome for me it's actually to not answer at all mm. because you don't you don't risk getting it wrong which is much more embarrassing on the whole than you know the the potential like reward system that could be put in place when you get it right well it's kind now, of i don't a, think i don't sorry i was gonna say it's kind of a misinterpretation of that sort of that age-old phrase of uh what is it i forget who said it but it's like it's better to be you know to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt um i forget who said it but that was i heard that on the simpsons um, and there's a really funny joke around it but yeah it's that thing of like you know but it's it's mis- misconstrued because obviously that that saying you know more likely refers to know when to open your mouth and know when not to but then there's the opposite end which is misinterpreting that and being like well actually if i don't say anything if i never try i'll never fail um yeah which i think uh, something i and again i end up talking about education on this thing all the time i don't know why i guess it's as much as I have like a huge amount of problems with you know certain pedagogical methods and like generally decisions made in policy, I think it's only because not only is it important for the future of everyone, but it's also it was something which the, the room for nuance and different characters and the openness of which I hoped I approached most education has really lasted with me. If anything has lasted with me my entire life, it's that, and it's the and it contributes to be able to make jokes, to have conversations, to be able to try new things, to understand empathy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so much more than just passing exams. And so it, 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 it's a real, like, almost passion point. I mean, not enough for, to be a teacher. I mean, fuck that. But, yeah, yeah, fuck that. I mean, maybe like a lecturer or like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how anyone can rock up and work for Ofsted because I, I think they're like... You just you just rock up and someone might be having a bad day and you go well someone's not a good teacher like, well no that's not no because the the kids are probably cunts and like they you know the roll of the dice meant that they got their inspection when like someone's you know some rat is trying to make their teacher bend over and pick up pens all the time for like perverse gratification do you know what I mean like mm. it, it could be it's so unaccommodating to what's going on and it's also an inaccurate uh, measure of of the school. You know, there's got to be a better way to do it. Um, it also has a linkage to fucking house prices, which is like, again, I mean, if, if there's anything else I can get on my high horse about, you know, education, but also fucking uh, property buying culture. Yeah, I was going mean, to say, you're so, you're so high up on that horse, I can't hear you. Get on get on down here. <laughs> What's that? I said, you're so high up on the horse. You climbed like a ladder to get on top of this like massive horse and I'm, I'm stuck on the ground and I'm saying, you know, come on, get down, get down off the high horse. Um, I don't know if uh, we don't have enough of a following to get like a poll on this, but um, 
this could be a place where we test out some sound effects. I don't have them ready as we record, but I can add in some like clippity cloppity afterwards. Well, I, I don't know if that would. I've I don't know if that would take effects. away. Yeah, I, think I don't know might. if that would take away from. Yeah, because it's it's kind of like it, it's maybe that maybe what's brilliant about this is there's so so little goes into the recording. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, little, like you bought a new mic. Little technically, and it's also little effort wise. Um, you know, Con- content-wise, there's probably you could probably list everything on like paper, the postcard that we've talked thin. about. Yeah, uh, it's, and, it's and not the paper like has a... nothing written on it. But I think I I I wouldn't want it to be necessarily something like loose women, where you know today we're talking about this theme because you know we, we could be hung over and kind of go, oh god, the last thing you want to talk about is this. Well, it, it'll I be mean, all I right because I, I mean, like with we we're not in danger of um becoming like loose uh, being on loose women because you know neither of us are sort of like 50 something bitches who are just on the change jesus christ uh, that, i mean that, that's that there's a lot of things wrong with that statement i know i know you said it in jest but like it was i was i was more looking for it for, about <laughs> loose women from the from the structured topical show rather than whatever whatever picture you have of it and that's and it's actually like peter andre's been on loose women i mean i don't i don't watch it it's just like you just catch it in passing i think like i think i think it's it's more something about women's issues again i i don't know enough about it but um but the 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 point i was trying to make was one of i don't i don't think like a complete structure would suit us again because then then you know again it's the whole problem of effort isn't it we'd have to uh we then have to kind of prepare answers and it would sound like um it it sound like election coverage and kind of go so so tom what do you think about the issues and then like you'd either I'll have go, well prepared. i think big orange man bad uh yeah you'd have to you'd have, you'd say something like that good you'd say something yeah so either something like that a lot more wordy um or you'd get fed up or i'd get fed up and go do you know i don't fucking care like stop asking me just because there's just just because there's the structure in place like I know, I know that some structure's good. I don't think it's like good for the soul in a sort of like um, Northern European uh, work ethic kind of way. I don't believe that. But like I think, like if it was really structured, I don't. I personally don't think it would work so well. I mean, look at look at where we've come. We're talking about structure, you know. And we, I started by asking you um, an arguably contentious question or a question which could annoy you for the the sheer disinterest in politics and look where we are now talking about um school what, days what, what this po- school <laughs> days again 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 uh yeah speaking of school days though uh we have like we have one new confirmed listener uh i've i've uh some people might notice that i've been following things on twitter to try and like drum up support for the twitter i've i've not I've not noticed. Yeah, uh, the Plopcast Twitter account and following people. And uh, one of my best friends who I've known since I was in year eight, uh, he actually noticed the new follow on his account and he was like, what the fuck is this? And he actually he's actually started listening to us and he messaged me the other day and he was like, oh yeah, he's like, oh, he's doing a podcast now, yeah? So I uh, I asked him, could he please give us a shout out on, on his social medias? Because he's like, he's popular uh and he's he's a handsome popular young man uh and uh yeah because what that's how we you know when we met at school i was kind of like the weirdo 
but he uh he took a shine for me he took a shine to me uh but yeah so muzza if you're listening hello uh you're also welcome to come on the podcast as a guest a guest and uh you know you can just come on and we'll spend an hour and you can tell everyone how gay and retarded i am um i mean not just not just for those for that flippant statement but also for the uh um i i feel like i don't want this to turn into radio 2 where they kind of go like um you know, the, the, these chats are kind of like, can you say, can you say happy birthday to my eight-year-old? No, <coughs> because no one is interested apart from you, and you've probably already said it. So, do you know, have you ever? I don't know. If, I mean, we, I grew up in a family that had like a radio station on most of the time, um, and again, you know, lots of people just generally do. But who, who really cares about the blooming? You know, you know what I mean? when people call in and kind of say like, just like to say hi to my gran, my nan. They're different people. <laughs> and I'd like to say hi to. That's why. Did you have like a? I mean, if you had a time when both sets of grandparents were alive, you had like slightly different names for. Um, you would never say like my maternal grandmother or my paternal grandmother. You did, yeah, you would never. No, it was uh, it was gran, gran and nan. Uh, gran was yeah. the gran was the fraternal grandmother, and uh, nan was the the brother the, the brotherly the brotherly grandmother. The brotherly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, Did you say so fraternal? <laughs> that was it. Gran and, Gran and Nan was the yeah differentiating. Because I've always I've always held back from. Um, I'd often say like granddad, but the, the point is I've never called. Like I say granddad, like I'd say you know like my my dad's dad or my granddad, but no, that wasn't that's one that was not what we called him. I think it's just because I'm embarrassed to say you, grandpops. You called him uh, Peep Peepa and Muma. <laughs> No, no, it's just like we pet, called pet, pet, like pet. my my <laughs> no, my mum's parents well were grandpa and grandma, grand, grandpa rest in peace, and uh, my dad's parents were were granny and grandpops rest in peace, so it'd be all all grandpop, but it's like it's like calling it's quite a, it's a strange Americanism one. It's like calling him your pop. Doesn't really work in an English accent. Yeah, I don't know. If it worked for well, you, yeah. well, I say that I say an English accent. There isn't really an English accent, just because uh, so many people speak it. It's kind of silly to kind of go, like, "Well, this is this is the English accent." I've said this before, haven't I? I feel like I've, there's like no, I'm, I'm, pretty like sure broke... is, I'm pretty sure this is new. No, the whole English accents thing is like I um I, 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 I do sometimes feel like a broken record. I know I'm known in I say a lot of circles. The circles I've made up, I've known. But either saying some things like again and again and again, and then be- believing I've not told people that story. Uh, so a good example is I'm sure I've told you guys, like you and a sort of group of friends that we share, about three or four times about my quote unquote escape from Birmingham three weeks before I had to leave my job. <laughs> Sorry, escape um, from Birmingham. I, I, I'm never not going to think of like Escape from New York, the uh, the John Carpenter yeah. film. So I'm just imagining you with like long hair and an eye patch. Uh, just running around in like I was going to say running around in like a derelict wasteland, but that's pretty much what Birmingham is at this point. So quite accurate, I suppose. Well, I like the well. I don't think I'd be doing much in running around. I mean, I ran to the gym and back for like a few months, but not like go like ah. Well, you'd be running around. for your, you know, you you jog every now and then because you probably have like a gas powered AR ninety four semi automatic rifle, uh, walking from street to street, pumping round after round. 
into uh, you know non-desirables. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a racist way. I'm not talking about like racial minorities or anything. I mean undesirables because it's the year 2076 and uh, the entire West Midlands has been walled off and been turned into a maximum security prison. And basically the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson III, has his, his prime, prime ministerial plane. It, he, he was flying over the West Midlands maximum security prison but then his plane got shot down and it crashed in the giant prison. So they have to send Sam, uh, Deadeye, Arrowsmith in because, you know, you're the only man for the job. And they sort of, uh, they send you in to, uh, to go and rescue the president. But they've actually put like a, a small explosive in your neck that's going to go off in 24 hours. So you've got to go in, get get the prime minister uh, and then evac uh just in time uh, to to get the the bomb removed sorry what were you saying um i mean i like i think the the thing i like about that is that there is an occupation which has my name on it rather than having to beg through several hoop jumping application forms for them to go well we really liked you at interview you just don't have the experience do you mean i'd I'd, I'd quite like if you said like i'm the only man for the job okay brilliant where do i sign up do you know what I mean? like is in having some value in the job market but um what was i same saying with, same with want... me man i've only got uh i've got i actually had my universal credit appointment today over the phone and today um, being whenever we record this yeah yeah uh yeah so not when you're hearing it dear listener uh but the day we record this i had i had the appointment Re- rec- at, like, recently 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 yeah uh i had the phone appointment in at like five past two in the afternoon and um i'd sent i'd uploaded my cv to like the dot gov website and the woman was like um the woman was like oh uh yeah your cv's good but but i noticed your experience and your like qualifications are, are quite niche uh you know so that sort of limits the job you can get and i was like oh right well you know Sorry for uh, for you know. Having I'll just I'll just have to expertise. I'll just have to stay on. I'll just have to stay on universal credit then, won't I? Yeah, yeah. They would, they, they would. They no. They wouldn't like that. To be fair to the woman's credit, uh, she was really good. Uh, she was actually really nice, and um, I, I think it's important to note that because the guy I think I had it was the guy I had the conversation with when I first applied was a complete cunt over the phone. Uh, but this woman who's actually going to be my work coach, she was actually really good today. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Uh, well, there you go. There's no still like, there also exercises the muscles of like speaking to someone else as well. When like, you, you might speak to your family, but like, it's kind of, I guess the benefit of someone doing something like this is that I have, we have like a weekly opportunity to exercise those muscles and talking to someone else outside of a household. And that kind of, I know that obviously it's not all muscles. I don't, don't put a gun to my head and kind of go you know is it all muscles speaking i say no it's obviously the brain and you know, other shit but um it you know it's good to to have those scenarios like even just talking to a bank teller or something where you kind of you know you can you can see if you've not talked to anyone because and i've certainly had this i went to a few shops is that a couple of weeks ago and i was sort of like hurrying around I, I put too many layers on and i think from shop to shop i was just like like I'd kind of forgotten how to talk to people, so I was kind of like, "Hi, uh, can I? Uh, can, do you do you do you um 
uh, do you do that thing that you cut guitar strings with you know and, and really like falling over my words I... and then trying to sound like an and then trying to sound like an expert to kind of m- mitigate the fact that I sound like an idiot but then you don't normally try and prove your expertise when going to a shop. I've been like that kind of ask, so many yeah, times, yeah. especially recently as well. I've like, um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty lucky because like, like so like one of my best mates who just lives down the road from me now, who I, who I sort of see see regularly, probably not going to see him for a while now, thanks to fucking the second lockdown. Um, but like, he knows how much of a fucking unemployable freak retard I am. So. Uh, he, uh, he, he, you know, even when I am sort of like stripping over words or like literally haven't spoke to him in a while or haven't spoken to anyone, he's like very, he's very patient. But yeah, when it's like strangers out in the street and like, you know, like you say, you go into shops and God, sometimes I like, I'm fucking terrified. I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm in the queue for something, to like pay for something at a checkout. And I'm like, you know, not knowing what I'm going to say, <laughs> you know, and even when you just don't have to say anything, you just like literally, here's my shopping do you want a bag? And I'll be like, no. Um, yeah, oh, I've, I've done that before in, in charity shop. There's a charity shop I went into a while ago, and um, I was just like, I was just like, all I wanted to do was like, here, here's like a, a bag for the stuff. It probably doesn't work, but here you go. Um, and then they said, oh, you were UK taxpayer. I was like, yeah. And I was just like, I, I just wasn't prepared for like an extra question that day. <laughs> what are you? Um, what are you a cop? Yeah. <laughs> And they they're like, um, do you want to claim gift aid? And I was like, they looked like I was just I just saw that like pen and paper. I was just like, um, I'm in a hurry, I'm really busy, and just left. And I was like, I me, left. I was going, oh, me, me in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, just a complete all, breakdown all they, of just. <laughs> all they all they asked was like, oh, do you want to claim gift aid? And they would have benefited us both, or like at least like holistically, in terms of like you know the karma of the universe and whatnot. But I was just like. I just because I wasn't expecting it, I just had to get out of there. Um, I'm trying to remember what you. I'm sorry, think, I'm also trying to remember what you were saying before I uh, started writing the screenplay oh, the, the, for the, Escape from Birmingham. The, the the other thing was that, like with me, there's sometimes there's stories which I tell again and again and again in the belief that I've never told anyone, and then there's things that have happened to me which I'm sure like, I'm convinced I've told people, and then I'll say this, and they go, "What? When did this happen?" <laughs> So like, uh, I think what I love doing that when I, I love deliberately doing that with like some members of the family, not like with anything particularly important, but I just say like, I'm off to Paris for a weekend or something, and they go, "What? You never told me that." And it's, and it's like, it, it's just funny, kind of knowing that they're like, they'll sort of be surprised that that's some unexpected like adventure. But talking about going into shops and whatnot, and sort of trying to negotiate speaking to people i think that's i'm gonna sound really pretentious here but i really love doing that in foreign countries not least of all because like since i was well like 12 13 whenever there's like foreign school like foreign country school trips i was in our little group i was always trusted to try and ask the locals like in the native language because no one else could be bothered learning the language but like obviously i now know a lot of friends who are multilingual and so like you know it's, it's, it's a bit of a mix like sometimes i'm like you know i can't speak a word of the native language or like someone else just speaks it so much better that it's kind of like they'll come to my rescue anyway mm. but sometimes we go to a situation where none of us know the native language but it, it's i know i sound like an observational comedian now like you do you, <laughs> but you, you do get some like funny situations trying to like classic like you know wrongly subtitled kind of stuff when you we try and uh 
you, you, you try to do your normal life just in a language that you barely speak. Like, I'm pretty sure in Poland I had a conversation which was like, um, oh, you know, good day, good day. Would you like a bag? Although it, was, it wasn't, would you like a bag? It was, I thought they said, would you like a bag? But they probably said, oh, how are you doing? And I said, yes. Thinking, <laughs> thinking they said, would you like a bag? Um, I'm going to start doing that really to people know. in English. Oh, just, just, just like, say yes. I that's another big train sketch, isn't it? Going, excuse me, do you speak English? No, I'm don't. I'm really sorry. Think it, it is. I think yeah. Simon, yeah. pretty I think sure it's Simon Pegg, I think. Yeah. And maybe Kevin Elden as well. Kevin Elden. I'm slipping over words. Uh, I think one of my favourite moments, like memories of like sort of just doing your, like an everyday thing in like in a foreign country on holiday is I was, I was pretty intoxicated and uh, I, I went to like a little supermarket this is when i was in mainz uh which is sort of just near frankfurt and i was just picking up some more wine and i was literally walking around the shop going like um okay like don't you don't need to say much more like you just need to say like good you know hello thank you have a good weekend done like you know that in german um Look, I'm like literally thinking, like looking conspicuous, looking conspicuous. Look at the fruit, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, look at the fridge, one, two, three, four, five. That kind of <laughs> thinking, like just properly, like I think you're starting to build a picture of what happened to me. But, um, but uh, like going around that shop, I was sort of like so regimented and going, like just get the wine, and you know, go to the till, get out of there. But I, what I wasn't expecting was because I was only holding a bottle of wine and someone was just doing their regular shopping. They said in full German was the effect of, oh, do you want to go before me? I notice you only got one thing in your hand. And I was in my head, I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so I just so I just said in German, like, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I don't I don't speak German very well. And he's like, oh, oh no, do you want to go ahead? And he said, sorry, I thought you spoke my language. But it was just in, in that moment, I was so out of it. I was just like, I just couldn't cope. I mean, I, I did eventually, but just in my head, I was like, <laughs> yeah, probably not that funny. Probably not that funny of a reflection. I just, I just sound like an idiot. But yeah, it's weird. I've had like too many experiences like that because I'm not, I'm not like that well traveled. Um, I mean, I've, I've been to uh, probably the furthest I've ever been is I, I spent like two, two and a half weeks in Japan. Um, so that was quite an in-depth sort of bit of a crazy experience. But they do things uh, a little. They they do things a little differently over there, uh, in the sense <laughs> come of on, like, let, let's let's go let's go on dips adventures in Japan. Come with me, please join yeah. me. Um, yeah. Uh, so you can kind of get away with like living in Japan and not speaking the language, just because basically everyone there seems like so insanely desperate to help you. Um, that that you don't even like need to um, need to learn the language. I mean, I spoke to a mutual friend of ours who uh, who had who had been before me, uh, and he sort of said a similar thing before I went. But I didn't really understand it until I actually got there and just found that you can just literally just fumble your way through. And also, like I was using my hands a lot to talk. But I mean, you know me, man. I do that anyway. When I talk to anyone, I'm like waving my hands around, like going like, "Yeah, I, I, oh, I then it was, be quite." And then I was running, and then it was like, Pow! and then I was like <laughs> running away, and then oh, then this happened, and, yeah, and then I remember, I remember, I had a gun in my coat, and I loaded it like, Shh. he <laughs> yeah, and I, I, like, I tend to, <laughs> I, I tend. To... <laughs> 
I also and uh, I was like bang bang that, bang. That that reminds me of like one of the most beautifully endearing things that that's ever happened to me is when me and you were at the fr- the Edinburgh Fringe at the same time. Um, uh, there was a group of us walking, and uh, it was across the bridge. You know the big bridge that goes over the train station. It's basically yeah. the bit you have to walk to to get to the to the Royal Mile. We were walking back from the Royal Mile, and um, again, was, I was walking alongside a mutual friend of mine. Uh, well, mutual friend of ours, as most of them are. Uh, and he looked at me, and he he, he did the things where you uh, he did the thing where you you know you get your thumb and your two your, your first two fingers and make a little hand gun. Um, and he said he said I'm Jack Bauer. And then he uh, he ran ahead of me, like dodging in and out of people, uh, completely like not giving a shit about people looking at him or anything. And it's it's one of the most like beautiful things I've ever seen is like, you know, this grown man uh, pretending to be running along like a child. It was fucking amazing. Um, a similar thing happened again, like I was walking to like a, another, you know, it, there's lots of people just staying in flats and there was like a little flat party going on and one of my friends had bought um, bought a uh, a cheap delicacy from the um, the uh, the manor in the desert that is pie maker in Edinburgh. <laughs> okay. And and um, but he bought he bought a steak bake, which I think is just like a is like like a sausage roll, but it's got like sort of uh, stewed beef in it. Mm. And I think he like I don't know how many times he does it. And I think that walk must have been about forty minutes or something. But he was literally showing everyone who was vaguely looking in our direction, like just strangers. He's just going, "I've got a steak bake," <laughs> like in that with that level of energy, and just saying it like to almost every single person on that forty-minute walk. See, that's got to be curious as to who this is now. But it might, maybe it might not be anyone I know. I don't know if anyone new you know. This is um, this is also uh, this is someone who I got to know a bit better from um. I don't know if you if you've ever followed Enemy, like they used to be a print magazine. I don't know if, I don't think they're in print anymore, but they've been like quite a long running music magazine. Yeah, um, I know of. I'm familiar with Enemy. I mean, only only you know Enemy because I made a bit of pocket money because like some friends I was living with, they also uh, like stood out, um, you know, just outside of campus of our uni, and sort of handed them out for free, and as in like you, you didn't have to pay the you know the people with the magazines and we just got paid by whoever and um i sort of roped in because i was like a relative outsider to that group i sort of other other people from like the the comedy and drama scenes at the UAB, i can say scenes is fucking guilds student societies but um other people sort of saw me doing this and they really wanted to get involved now the problem was whenever i was hanging out with those people it became like who could tell the most jokes in like sort of selling these magazines and so like rather than like would you like a copy of enemy free enemy magazine free magazine um you could just say stuff like you could just hand the magazine to someone and go 9-11 was an inside job and just say whatever <laughs> the hell you wanted <laughs> oh that would be the perfect job for me that would be brilliant and just and like yeah, again like this friend i was talking about with the steak bake along yeah alongside maybe some other some other people you may or may not know uh, it was just a competition. Like we, we'd also do things like, like we'd have a shitload of magazines, like hundreds, in like a little cavy case, and uh, we'd do things. Like if if no one was buying them, it was like it was a nice enough day. You sort of make them into like, uh, you, you roll some of them up and have like jewels with them, or you kind of, you you, you lay a few on the ground and use the rolled up magazines like an oar, and imagine like you're sort of trekking canoeing down a river. 
that kind of thing. As so like it, it, it almost became a point of like, um, you know, and we were probably going to recycle half of them anyway. So like, it, it, it was very rarely like a quota based thing. It was just, and it, it just became a, and not even like being funny to be the best salesperson. It was being funny to entertain us, and just to just say to random people, uh, like you know, let uh, let the power of enemy compel you. Uh, and all, all sorts of stuff like that. I was saying, like, you know, you can take it with you. You know, have it. That all or that just, kind or of. Or just I mean, on again on the same same you know same lines as the first thing you said. Just hand someone the enemy and just be like, here, here's a copy of enemy. Fuck your mother. Well, that kind of thing. I mean, maybe with a bit more tact, but. Um, <laughs> Sorry, forgive me. There, I didn't really have much tact right. in, in the way I said that. It's not plop tact, is it? That's not what we're. That's not what the show's called. Tactcast. Uh, tactcast. I prefer to very tactfully you see, men you, try, you, try not to offend each other. You get me saying the short a's where I wouldn't put them, like ask and cast. Like I don't. I don't normally say those because I was, I was raised in the south. Um, I've got you. Uh, but... I've got you by the short a's. <laughs> This is payback for me. This like... is payback from whenever you make fun of my voice and you say that you do like a, an impression of like someone from Yorkshire, and I'm like, I don't sound like that. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's my it's my only or well, probably my last bastion of conscious prejudice is um. With it's like if you if you were bouldering your way up my ego, uh, that would be like one of the hand or feet holds you'd spotted. You'd be like, right, and that's that 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 little gaps going to be like where i could always come back to or it's it that'll hold me up on this big wall and it just so happens that the little gap is uh the shape of my voice box like if i was ever in one of those um i don't know i can't remember what they're called now but those those sorts of seminars where you kind of um it's sort of those like implicit bias like seminars like those kind of quizzes where they kind of they sort of test your implicit biases and kind of try and you know get a broad understanding of how we can make the workplace better um, for historically and people who are continually in minority groups or who, you know, there's there's a history of like whether, you know, with a big oppression or like it's sort of like the everyday sexism or racism. Uh, I'd, I'd be, I'd, you'd do me, but that, that kind of thing where like you'd get, or, or there'd be a conversation where like um, someone, yeah, like, it, oh, here's a good example. Um, so like the, 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 the actual example, like, you know, people, you know, people in the office I used to work at, like, you know, from different parts of like the West Mids or like Staffordshire or like, you know, cases wherever the hell I'm from or like the or some other cases, the North. And I just say something flippant like, you know, it's early November. So all the Northern grandmothers are getting the sprouts on to boil. And, you know, and like, obviously that's, that's like, as a joke, my dad tells every single year um, about like, I think, you know, normally any grandmothers, but I think like News Thump would tell you know to say the joke about grandmothers in the north you know putting the sprouts on so they're ready in time for christmas and it's like oh yeah just like and then i can imagine someone coming to going like no now that's very offensive to northern people like you can't yeah, i was just gonna say, say if that. i would if i would have been there and heard you say that i would have said what did you just fucking say yeah is that exactly so i still i still clearly have that prejudice and i think like i, I know that like i've had implicit biases in the past like and that it's it's been like it, it's not like i was like completely perfect in terms of anything like political correctness or, 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 you know, or just behaving in a way which is like, is immediately respectful of, you know, of everyone's beliefs. I think like, again, just because both societally and also like experiences, colour, 
how you approach things and also like you know it's, it's like I, I've, I've been doing it to you as well like like i i would have a something to say you know about something you just said you know and it, again it's all different because of context and uh approaches we're taking it from you know belief systems blah 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 blah, blah. uh but perhaps i do have to make more of a conscious effort to uh to find my northern soul and uh, uh please don't we don't re- we don't want you here. <laughs> we don't want you here you know what don't bother you know, he's sort of about being a bigger person and like learning more about you know this area of the country. You know what? Mm, mm-mm, no, it, it no just looks. It just looked really. It just looked really smug, like I'm some sort of voluntourist. Do you mean like it just looked like I'm here to find out more about your life? It's going, no, you're not. You're here on a. You're here on a tour bus. You're not here in one of the local buses. You're here on a tour bus. <laughs> like don't don't even pretend to have experienced our life. Yeah, it's like um, wanna... I mean, again. That's a perfect cycle. It's a bit like the bullying thing, isn't it? Where it's like, yeah, the bully convinces you that they're they're doing you a favor, and it's your fault you're getting bullied. It's the same with someone who's like previously ignorant and is like offending people, and people are like, well, stop fucking offending me. And then they're like, oh, well, I'll, let me learn more about your culture. And then they're like, no, 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 no. You know, I'd rather, that's that's even worse than the thing you were doing. You know, it's like you you can't win. Well, I I I don't actually like have complete prejudices against like people from the north i don't have like a i don't have like a deep-rooted belief about like them being lesser or anything or like it's just it's just that because i can't do certain accents um and because um there's there is a lot of like humor unfortunately derived from regional differences in british humor or humor across the world anyway um it's it's a very easy thing for me to fall into, but it's not like I haven't heard other northern accents. It's just I can't do them. So every every time I try to do it, it just sounds like a Yorkshire accent, and then I end up just playing into it anyway and just sort of generalising, which is obviously like, I mean, to a degree, there is a, there is a kind of a point to generalise the north in that, um, and also like everywhere of the UK outside the southeast, particularly London, is it like you can you can generally say like the north is significantly you know out of the priority of funding and even like places like birmingham as well have been like way out of the priority of westminster to develop if you know what i mean well they're like yeah it's mental they're actually like there's big big change going on where i live at the moment like like a big portion of the town center is getting like demolished um oh jeez, okay yeah it's crazy it's like um it's a bit like, you know, do you remember back in Birmingham? It was like kind of around, I guess it would have been around like 2016 when I was doing the Masters, but around then they were doing up like, um, it was like just outside the station and to like the left. They were like ripping out all that area to put in like a new section. I don't know if you know. It might have been for the tram line or something. Yeah, I think I think they'd built, I've been back since and they have built the tram and it now runs. But there it, was now, a, it, now, it now runs to Wolverhampton where you could also get the bus before. Yeah, exactly. But but basically, they were also ripping out another bit that was like going to be just like, like a big plaza. I'm not sure if you know where I mean, but uh, oh yeah, so um, between Centenary Square and like yeah, so the, at, the, outside the new library. Like if you're walking from yes, exactly the it's train station bit. to the new library past Victoria Hall. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that that complex. Yeah, that. Yeah, was, and also Centenary Square was still being rebuilt in like late 2017. And that's the thing is, I, around that time, I was walking past there constantly but it was all obviously it was all blocked off and it was just all scaffolding and it was basically a construction site 
they've been meaning to do it to like where I live for a good while. Um, and it's been sort of advertised everywhere. And then there's like photos of like what, or like these fucking <laughs> computer sort of models that have been made and then screenshotted and put on big signs saying like, oh, this is what the town will look like. Um, but apparently they started actually doing it. Like it's, me it's mental. I don't really see it much because I don't go around my town anymore because it's a fucking shithole. Uh, and also it's like, it's dangerous. Um, like I think, you know, I, I would say that where I live is, is rough. Uh, I've always said that, but now it's like really bad. Um, but yeah, apparently like loads of the town's been knocked down now. Uh, I might like maybe go on a drive and I might just drive past and have a look, but I don't really want to walk around because it probably just make me a bit sad. Um, yeah. Well, there's like broadly speaking, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not like a, a, a what would you call it, like a a human geographer or whatever, you know. I don't, I don't study psychogeographer. Psychogeographer. Um, stay tuned to next week's gripping adventure of psychogeographer. Uh, we deal with sidekick. We deal with psychopaths and, and psychogeographs, and his sidekick epidemiologist. <laughs> but um. Uh, but like you could say broadly speaking that uh, like centers get redone either in like sort of a gentrification kind of way so like the the business is actually drawn to there because of like so somewhere like Barcelona where like there's like there's been like an artistic community there for a very long time and like they're just generally interesting people live there and again like in sort of like in sort of formerly sleazy areas of like British cities like Digbeth in Birmingham is an example you generally get like quite interesting characters around there and so the vibe draws in business, but then the very vibe that drew the business there is actually uprooting the people who generally made that area interesting. It's like all the, for want of a better term, it's a bit of a shit word, but like bohemian people. Mm. Um, I know what I mean, you mean. I mean that. I mean that in this, this sort of the artsy sense, not of um, the not of the um, old region of which a lot of Czech Czechia covered in like medieval times. I don't mean the Bohemian Empire, but. Um, Again, like in Barcelona, that there's lots of people being turfed out because it's better for landlords or more profitable for them to have their flats as Airbnbs rather than actual residential places. Yeah, I've but heard also, a bit about that. Uh, but also, in you know, in some towns where like there is such little uptake for like local business that actually the only thing you can, the only people who can actually afford to buy the properties are like property moguls who will just build another. Um, like possibly like another pound land and an Iceland and um and a, and a Smiths and a Specsavers and a McDonald's and a Wagamamas and, I, and there's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong with them. It's just that it, it's it's a problem when like that that dictates the streets. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. and you kind of that dictates the town centre and it, and it's not like I'm not I'm not trying to say anything like that. They're like I'm not saying they're like scummy shops or anything. I mean, it's interesting when you see a shop that says "Please keep your tops on" on the outside. But... Yeah, bit of a bit of alarm bells there. I, I had a similar experience to that in Birmingham when I went to. Uh, I used to go up um, up Snow Hill Way quite a lot, um, just because there was a uh, a rock and heavy metal venue there. Um, it was also a recording studio, actually. So it was a recording studio downstairs where. You what was could it? Go... What was it called? Just out of curiosity. Oh my god. Oh, you te you testing me now? Uh, the it wasn't, it was... asylum. Oh no, no, no! Might no, have been really. the for asylum. Some reason, for some reason, I was thinking of Rubanas, but that's more on the way out. 
But uh, um, it was, yeah, it was basically just a bit further up the road from the Snow Hill train station. It was like in Snow Hill proper. Um, anyway, it was always, it was really cool there. And they did like these sort of like these week weekend long music festivals. Like, when I say music festival, I mean, it was just a load of sweaty people in a room. Um, and you just had to go back there every night from Friday to Sunday. Um, you had to. Of course you did to see yeah, you had to, to see all the bands. I think I think on one of like the times when me and my mate went, we um we missed like one of the first nights or something, but all in all it was good. Anyway, I remember on like the last night we were like hanging about and there was like an intermission or we were we were waiting around for some reason to see another band and we weren't really bothered about who was on. So we were like, Oh, let's go get something to eat. And there was a Domino's in Snow Hill. Um, and we we went up to it to go get a pizza. We were just going to, you know, order a pizza and just stand around and wait for them to make it. And then we just ate it in the street. But as we went in, there was a sign up uh, in the Domino's window that said, please be aware that this store uh, has CCTV and is protected against armed robbery. So, like, I mean, like you'd hope you'd hope I was that like, there was like, welcome to Birmingham. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, you'd hope that there's an incentive against armed robbery anyway, like a moral one. But yeah, you could imagine um, it at like a bank or something. But I just love that it was in the window of a fucking Domino's. Please don't arm, ro- <laughs> please don't armed rob this Domino's. <laughs> but um, I think it, that mo- it, it, it is a shame with like yeah the the way, so the way like my town has gone um, is essentially all of these sort of mom and pop stores have completely gone now uh and so have like a few other just shops that were a bit like there was like a sweet shop once and um there used to be a few bakeries uh they've mostly gone now and the shops that are basically replacing everything are essentially it's like you said they're like frankie and benny's wago mama's bella italia uh, all uh, Nando's, all usually literally door to door next to each other, which is what always was such a mind fuck for me. It was like, surely you only need one of these. Um, and even then, they only stay open for a couple of months and then they go out of business straight away. And then you just basically walking down a street that's just all, you know, like when businesses are empty, they just they whitewash all the windows. Um if you know what I mean, uh, you, so it's sort of like it's, it's dark enough that you can't actually see the back of the room, so you end up just looking into like what looks like an endless room. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and you yeah. just get loads of those walking down the street. I was going to try and end the podcast there, but I feel like that's too. I mean, that might be too depressing to end on because I, I feel like we we often say like, "Well, there's a really sad kids book that makes you sad," and that's our show. Hey man, but, um, I <laughs> I'm sorry about that. If you can't handle, oh no 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not at all. I mean, I I should have read it by now, but like, no, I, I just thought I just thought that was funny that there was um, like the, the, there was sort of a there's a point where like I'd be so lost for words. I'm like, I just can't, I just can't even. But um, something I was reading a while ago. Um, this is when Jamie's Italian. He was saying that the, a lot of his restaurants, or if not the whole empire, was going to f- fold. It has done, I believe, uh, and it has, yeah. And uh, the thing, like, yeah, this article in the Guardian was saying, like, well, it's probably down to the fact that people that don't have as much disposable income to go out to eat, you know, as much as we did, like, you know, five, ten years ago. But also that actually, the people generally, if they do go out to eat, they generally want to support more independent places, which might have like a niche for, you know, like 
vegan stuff or like they they know the they know the owners or they you know change up the beers that that kind of thing and you just have a, a like a better more interesting relationship and a more interesting experience but also i'm pretty sure that there was there was a point where it was like my uh, bachelor's graduation meal because we didn't book anywhere they'd all been booked up and so we went to like i think it was like strad or something and it was like on reflection pretty crap and then like uh, it was like it's like from that like from that day on for about a year or two there was like there was a feeling in the air that like for about a year that every restaurant i went to was a demonstrably worse experience than it had been in years gone by and it's not just because i wasn't a child anymore like frankie and benny's like it, things had generally got more expensive less good or both mm. and as I, I just i just felt like there was a wave across i mean I, okay um, i i should stipulate that i'm extremely lucky to be able to you know as a kid to be able to you know be taught how to cook and experience all these different cuisines you know and like be able to go out to restaurants so i'm very lucky to be able to be a food snob but like i did notice there was a time when just like across the uk there was just a wave of just like just not as good an experience going out to eat which is it was strange that like it was i mean i guess that's why weatherspoons is still popular because it's consistent it's, it's the same every time uh, That's the one thing I it's don't. got going for it is consistency. I do love a I do love a good weather spoons. I I do. I know that Tim Martin is a pretty despicable person in terms of like if if like the 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 average restaurant owner he's pretty despicable. And he was he was very much saying like um, if you know if you you know if you made redundant during this lockdown or whatever just just go find another job. But, okay, all right, no no help whatsoever as expected. I was going to say that's the other thing as well because I know you mentioned about people not having enough disposable income. That's another thing as well of the businesses that there's too many of in my town that have been popping up is uh, pound pound not pound shops. Although we have no wait, they are a pound shop, aren't they? I was almost, sorry, I'm getting confused with charity shops. We do have an overabundance of charity shops, but we always have done. Uh, but another one we've got is um, well, it's it's because I think it's because the rates are cheaper or something like that. So actually, you you pay less rent than a normal shop if you're Could- a charity shop. Yeah, something could, like that, which is why there's loads of them when they they pop up. But um, the the one that we do have an overabundance of now are the pound shops. So I think is it like pound saver as it called? There's pound saver, pound stretcher, uh, savers, uh, home home and bargain, home bargains, B and M bargains. We've got them all. It's like you know most places will have like maybe one or two. You just have the. It's like oh you know because the way I when Norm- normally on the same street. Yeah, like, and normally in the same street, but you have like the two of them. And normally, like when so when I was a kid, and I used to actually go shopping with my mum all the time. You know, we do a bit of a you you. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, and anyone who's listening who loves their mum should have this knowledge, which is you know you've got to know where to get your stuff from. So it's like for the bulk stuff, you might go like ASDA or something. Uh, you know, if you want to get your bits, you might want to go to like Marks and Spencer because you know we couldn't afford to do a full shop in Marks and Spencer. Uh, but then also you'd like save certain stuff for the pound shop. So for like the pound shops, you'd go there to get like your toilet roll or your washing up liquid. You know what I mean? Like stuff that you knew you could get for just a pound. There's nothing wrong with them. They function well. I mean, I go in the pound savers or uh, whatever quite a lot to get certain things. Usually I mean, toiletries. You might, you, you might not want like chicken from a pound savers, say. Exactly, exactly. Uh, although the home and bargain 
in my town that we've, we've got this one big one now has a frozen section or like a chip and a chiller but i just can't bring myself to buy meat from there i just don't trust it i'm not getting meat or poultry from a fucking home and bargain but they're amazing normally like you can get some good stuff from there fairly cheap and also there's some like niche products you can get from there like my favorite example is um you could get like uh tall cans of iron brew because uh, I love iron brew, but you can get and sugar. You can get them sugar free as well, so you can get tall sugar free cans of iron brew. Never seen them anywhere else, so I usually stock up on those. But basically, my point is, sorry to talk around the houses. Uh, my point is, is that we've got like seven or eight of these shops in a really small area. Like a few of them are on the same street. Some of them are the next street over. But it's insanity. Oh, the other thing we've got loads of is bookies. We've got low. We've got like Betfred um that that is unfortunately something Ladbrokes. that pops up a lot in like in, in areas that are generally not doing well like you get an abundance of bookies well it's weird because i kind of know why there's an abundance of all these places but like i don't want to i don't know it's kind of like the nervous white white liberal in me coming out although i'm not like you know i'm not like a super liberal but i think i'm, I'm liberal leaning I don't want to say my reasoning why, because people might think I'm racist. Um, but yeah, there's there's kind of a reason that that, that it's gone the way it has done. But um, yeah, it fucking sucks. Uh, and it's annoying that it's all the same stores all the time. Like you say, you know, it's like your fucking Frankie and Benny's, these like chain restaurants uh, mixed with all these discount stores. And it basically puts out of business loads of other places like stuff that's actually makes the town unique like i think the thing with me is is that like my town now has like no unique shops anymore it used to there are a couple here and there dotted about but they've completely gone now you know they've, it's literally now my, my town is now like a faceless one if you know what i mean so there's no like yeah you know in, in some towns you'll have like oh you know there's like one record shop or there's maybe like one store that sells like i don't know it used to be like videos and dvds or like games it's all it, there's like none of that now it's literally just chain restaurants betting shops charity shops and uh discount shops and it's like yeah just sad really but whatever it's the way the world's going i suppose should we should we end on the note um I, i've noticed that my uh, there's little effects where my my cpu wants a break uh but i should usually i should get my usual post podcast glass of water um but um should we end on rather than saying I, i'm not saying no not to say that what you're saying is false as in like it, the, the, maybe the take-home message that we could start doing like take-home sunday school uh kids film morals at the end of like on the nose like what did we learn today well you said it uh, not me yeah that's true i'll, <laughs> I'll live or die i'll live or die by that um yeah, come Which on. Is, give, know, us, give us a nice, give us a nice, a nice note to go out on. Uh, well, the moral of the story is shop local and shop independent. Um, yeah, try and do it if you can. It, yeah. Try your very best. Uh, support local yeah. restaurants and takeaways. Uh, don't go to fucking Nando's. Don't go to Frankie and Benny's. Uh, go to like your local takeaways. Ruin that. ruin the job security of twenty to save the job security of three because exactly. of better experience. Yeah, exactly. that's what we're saying. It's what it's what Jesus would have done. Um, Had he existed, 
I feel like he did, he did exist. I'm not. I, I think. I think the question is his divinity. Uh, but he 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 did exist. Um, I tell you what. If you ever feel like you're not you're not very successful, you don't feel like your life's going anywhere in your twenties. Kill uh, yourself. Wasn't, uh, Jesus wasn't famous till he was thirty. Um, so and, Jesus, then he, Jesus, and then he promptly got killed by the very people I mean, I mean, he, that uh, he was trying to save. Uh, not quite. He um, it, it was the Romans. Not quite. That's, that's pretty much exactly what happened. No, no, it was the Romans that killed Jesus. Yeah, but like Judas dobbed him in. Well, yeah, but, he, he, but he, Jesus knew that. I mean, it was, but it wasn't like. But the oh, Romans I forgot. He, he knew that because he was clairvoyant. <laughs> yeah, if he knew that, why didn't you fucking stop it from happening? If he was like fucking time cop, like you know, uh, <laughs> like he claimed to be, why didn't he just run away and then he could run across a lake <laughs> because he can run on water, couldn't he, Jesus? And then like maybe while he was at like the Last Supper and he was like, one of you's going to betray me, and then. It does like the sort of the snap zoom of like a thriller. It like snap zooms to like Judas's eyes, then it snap zooms back to Jesus, and then Jesus turns to like his disciple, like doubting Thomas, and he's like, "Doubting Thomas, throw me that bottle of water." And he throws it to him, and Jesus catches it. He shakes it up, turns it into wine, sprays it in Judas's eyes, and then he's like, "Arrest that man." But no, no, none of that happened, did it? It's a fairy no. story. And on that note, uh, I think I think if I if I go and read Blue Boy, uh, I, sh- I was going to say maybe you should read the Bible. I don't read the Bible. I've not read the Bible. I don't, I don't think it's uh, from what I've heard, it's not a very good read. I'm just going to watch Time Cop again. Yeah, fair enough. That's a good idea. 